With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. A wonderful Thursday to one and all. Welcome into the Zuni Kiel Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again as we've got a terrific show for you. Hakeem Prophet of Wager Talk is going to be joining me in the second segment. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be looking at today's slate and just talk a little bit about why you should trust in the research and the numbers that you do. So it's going to be great to have him on the podcast. He always does a solid job whenever he joins me. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, you guys fired in a bunch of questions to the Twitter mailbag, mostly in regards to Red Sox Royals. So, one day after I gave you a rain delay slash rain shortened game tutorial, you guys are going to be getting another one. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Now, I did get one other question into the Twitter mailbag. I'm going to answer that one first. I'm going to build the suspense. At Shamus Ignoramus, at IMRob79, at one semantics type question. Would you call a plus 155 run line a dog, or do you reserve that title for plus price money line exclusively? As a matter of fact, 
fact, I would call this a run line underdog. Now, in regards to the team being an underdog for the game or not, that is all based on the actual money line. And when you got minus 105, it's essentially a pick em. Or if you've got like minus 101, minus 109, I always just consider it a pick em personally. You need a team to be at least even. But that is the way that I look at it personally. And I know that there are some people I consider like minus 106 to be a favorite, minus 104 to be an underdog. That is the technical way to go about it. And the technical way to go about this is run line underdog. If the team is a favorite, at least in my book, and they're getting a plus money on the run line, I would still consider them to be a favorite. You're just lay, you're just playing a run line to get a plus price. But if you want to get super technical with it, it is a run line underdog. That's the way I understand it. If you ever go to VegasInsider.com, they have the run line favorite and the run line underdog. Whatever team has that plus price in regards to the run line, whether they're getting or laying run and half, that is the team that is the underdog. So that's just the way that I look at it. And now, I'm not going to be giving out any Twitter handles here because I got about 50 million questions on what happens with the bets from Boston Red Sox versus the Kansas City Royals. As we all know, this game went a full nine innings. It was tied at 4-4, four to four, and then there were a couple pitches thrown in the 10th inning. This game is going to be resumed on August 22nd, and this is a spot where, because the game went nine full innings, run lines and totals are graded. If you had over in this game in regards to the total, you lose. The under cashes, you win. On the run line, if you had plus a run and a half with the Kansas City Royals, you win. If you laid a run and a half with the Boston Red Sox, you lose. Money line is a bet where you are picking to win or lose the game. So all money lines are a refund. I believe that this is all the same with regards to if you bet the game live as well. I'm not 100% sure on that. I had someone asking me about if this applied to only pre-flop bets or during game. I think that this applies to live wagering and pre-flop bets. Do not quote me on that though. And then the parlay aspect, as we all know, I don't do parlays, but if you bet this game on a parlay and you had a total, obviously it all counts. If you had this game on the money line, it is essentially going to be voided out. So everything that I was talking about with parlays and everything like that, if you had a money line bet on this game, it essentially means that your three-team parlay becomes a two-team parlay. Your two-team parlay becomes a straight bet on whatever the other leg of the parlay was. Four-teamer becomes a three-teamer, everything like that. But if you had run line or if you had the total in regards to a parlay, those both count and your parlay essentially stays the same. So hopefully I cleared up all those questions there. As always, if you have any feel free to tweet them in at underscore one I got a million of them on this one so hopefully I did my best to be able to answer all of those in a clean and orderly fashion now let's take a look back at yesterday's results try to find some trends and try to become better handicappers from it so what teams and players is Greg looking to back he will lay it on you in the call up the New York Mets have now won 13 of their last 14 games as they take down the Miami Marlins by a count of 7-2 another not so quality start for Jordan Yamimoto he goes six innings giving up four runs all of which were earned and then the bullpen from there wound up giving up two home runs in two innings of work as Yamimoto was taken deep twice himself as the bullpen gave up three runs in two innings. For the Mets, it was a hit parade. Michael Conforto goes deep twice. His 24th and 25th of the year. Jeff McNeil is 15th home run of the year. And Pete Alonso, his 37th as Steven Mets continues to look a little bit better for this Mets team. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. For the Miami Marlins, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Brad Anderson. That is his 18th of the year. But the Miami Marlins, after playing some very respectable baseball for about two months, seemed to have shrunk. And the Miami, and the New York Mets 
My goodness, they are on a run. Speaking of a team that's on a run for all the wrong reasons, it is the Detroit Tigers as they wind up losing to the Chicago White Sox by a count of 8-1. to one. The Detroit Tigers now 5-32 and 32 in their last 37 home games. Needless to say, that is not good. And for the Chicago White Sox, they were able to get those eight runs with just one home run. Ryan Cordell went deep in the second inning off of Tyler Alexander, his sixth of the year, and Ivan Nova continues to be a supernova. Eight innings pitch, he gives up no earned runs. I believe in his last four starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of them. He's actually pitching quite well. Meanwhile, our friend Alexander, he goes four into third innings for the Detroit Tigers. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including that home run. From there, the bullpen goes three and two-thirds innings. They give up three runs, including Trevor Rosenthal giving up two of them. Now is a 13.50 ERA. Needless to say, that's not ideal. And for the Detroit Tigers, just not a lot doing with the offense once again. The Texas Rangers and the Cleveland Indians wound up going with a double dip on Wednesday. And in game one, it was the Cleveland Indians being able to get a 2-0 win over the Texas Rangers. The Rangers were just woeful in this series in general in regards to offense. They score a combined two runs in three games. And for the Cleveland Indians, not like the offense was great in this one either, but they did get a home run off the bat of Jose Ramirez, his 15th of the year. Ariel Gerardo actually pitched well in this one. Seven innings pitch, gave up that home run, two runs, both of which were earned. Yet a guy come out of the bullpen and give an inning as well. And for the Cleveland Indians, very, very good start for Zach Plesak. He goes six innings. He gives up five hits, seven strikeouts, was able to do his job. And then the Cleveland Indians, who still have the number one bullpen out there in the big leagues with regards to ERA, and it got even better on this day. They go combine three innings. They give up one hit, no earned runs. And then in game two, it was a bullpen game for the Indians, and they were certainly able to get the job done once again as they were able to get this win by a count of five to one. For the Indians, they were really able to break things open in the eighth inning as they were able to put up a three spot there. As for the Texas Rangers, Lance Lynn, the tough luck loser here. He goes seven innings. He gives up two runs, only one of which was earned, including a home run. It was once again that man, Jose Ramirez, that went deep his 16th of the year. And for the Cleveland Indians, they took the wholesale approach in this one as Tyler Clippard went two innings, Hunter Wood, two innings, A.J. Cole, two and two-thirds innings. Oliver Perez got two outs, and then Nick Whitgren got the final five outs. Oliver Perez gave up one run. That was a solo home run going deep for the Texas Rangers in this one was Willie Calhoun his ninth of the year but that was the only offense in this one as the Cleveland Indians just continue to be absolutely terrific out there in the bullpen they were able to keep the Texas Rangers at bay and now for the Texas Rangers they are on a little bit of a binge of unders as five out of their last six games have gone under the Tampa Bay Rays going into Wednesday though were not on a binge of unders though they got one in this one as the Toronto Blue Jays wound up being the biggest underdog to be able to win on this day 4-3 to three, the final as for the Toronto Blue Jays they were able to get a trio of home runs to lift them in this one Lords Goriel is 19th home run of the year. Randall Gritchick is 19th. And then Derek Fisher, no, not the former NBA player, is second. As for the Tampa Bay Rays, Brendan McKay wound up giving up two of those three home runs. He goes five innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. And then Colin Pooch came out of the bullpen. He gave up a solo home run himself. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to mount a rally in the ninth inning. They entered down by a count of 4-1. to one. Mike Zanino got a two-run home run his seventh of the year. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, some solid pitching in this one as Wilmer Font served as essentially the opener. He got the first seven outs of the game. And and then you did have the, I guess you could call it, long guy in Brock Stewart go four innings. He gave up two hits, no earned runs. Now the bullpen, including Ken Giles, wound up giving up three runs in total. But all in all, they have been one of the best units out there in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. And they cash another big ticket as the Toronto Blue Jays have now won seven out of their last ten games. 
Another team that is really rolling right now. How about the Houston Astros? I believe that they have won nine out of their last ten games as they just completely dismantled the Colorado Rockies by a count of 14-3. to Things look promising for the Colorado Rockies as they got a leadoff home run from Trevor Story, his 26th of the year. Nolan Arenado would add his 25th of the year as Garrett Cole. If there is one issue with him, it is the fact that he's giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but he was once again very good in this one. Six innings pitch, the two runs they gave up were the solo home runs, and then from there, he had the bullpen go three innings, giving up just one run, and for Cole, another 10 strikeouts, another win, he's 14-5, and five. and for the Houston Astros, they only needed two home runs to be able to get the job done in this one, as Jose Altuve is 19th of the year, and Yuri Gurriel is 23rd, as Peter Lambert just got completely shellacked. Three innings pitch, he gives up nine runs, all of which were earned, he now has a 6.87 ERA, and then the bullpen of the Colorado Rockies, which has been one of the bottom five in the big leagues the last three days, well, they lived up to it. They went and combined five innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned. Things for the Rockies away from home, just not going well right now as the Rockies away from home. 3-12 and 12 in their last 15 road games. The Oakland A's have been a little bit over 500 on the road, but in this one, Homer Bailey Day occurred as the Chicago Cubs just jumped all over the Oakland A's by a count of 10-1 to for Homer Bailey. He goes four and two-thirds innings, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned, including a home run. From there, the bullpen went the final three and a third innings. They wind up giving up three runs, including two home runs of their own, as the Chicago Cubs were able to get launching power from Victor Carantini, sixth home run of the year. Kyle Schwarber is 26th of the campaign, and Ian Happ, who has been very good since he came off the injury list for the Cubs, his second as Jose Quintana, his best start in a very long time. This is a guy that has been giving up seemingly three runs in six innings in nearly every one of his starts. In this one, he goes seven innings, giving up one run, and the revamped Chicago Cubs bullpen actually looks very good right now. They went two innings in this one, not giving up a single run. And for the Oakland A's, they just weren't able to get a whole lot going with regards to the bats as they had just three total hits. And the Oakland A's bullpen has been below the league average ever since the all-star break with regards to ERA. So they are certainly a sinking bunch. A sinking bunch with regards to the bullpen as well is both the Atlanta Braves and the Minnesota Twins. And they wound up playing a high-scoring game as the Atlanta Braves win this one by a count of 11-7. If you flop those numbers around, that is 7-11 because both these teams were open to giving up runs in this one. And Max Fried actually gave a decent start in this one, five and a third innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned, but he did have 10 strikeouts. From there, you did have Josh Shomlin giving up four runs out of the bullpen for the Atlanta Braves. Both these bullpens have been in the bottom five in regards to ERA the past three days. And both made moves at the deadline and both have not really paid off. But what has paid off for the Atlanta Braves, their bats. Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. both collected their 29th home run of the year. And Ozzy Albies was able to get two dingers himself his 16th and 17th of the year. It's for the Minnesota Twins. Just one long ball in this one. Miguel Sano, and that was of grand fashion. A grand slam for his 20th home run of the year. But Martin Perez, I believe in six out of his last eight starts, he has now given up at least four earned runs. In this one, he goes six innings. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned. And then Cole Stewart had to try to put out the fire, and he wasn't able to do so himself. He goes three innings, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. The Atlanta Braves continue to be one of the most profitable teams out there on the road this year. And they're going to be a favorite tomorrow. Just letting you know, 22-7 and seven, the Atlanta Braves are as a road favorite. So you want to keep that in mind. You want to keep in mind the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals have now played in their last 12 games, 10 of them to the under, depending on what number you 
look at as they played another one against the Dodgers and they lose this game by kind of two to one. For the LA Dodgers, they were able to do this with a Russell Martin walk-off single. They did not have any runs on the board until the ninth inning as Jack Flaherty had been very good in this one, but it is now the Dodgers at a 46-15 and 15 with regards to their home record and getting back to Flaherty. Seven innings pitch, gives up four hits, ten strikeouts, no earned runs, but the St. Louis Cardinals, who have a top-five bullpen in regards to ERA, let them down in this one. They get five outs, and in the process, they give up those two earned runs as Will Smith was one of the men on base, so they were certainly getting jiggy with it as the St. Louis Cardinals got just one big hit in this one. That was Marcelo Zuna getting his 21st home run of the year. That came off of... Dustin May, as this prospect is looking very good, as he gave up that solo home run and nothing else in five and two-thirds innings. And the Dodgers' bullpen is looking better themselves. Three and a third innings, they wind up giving up just two hits, no earned runs, and the Dodgers themselves not necessarily getting it going with the bats. They've been playing a lot of unders themselves recently, but they certainly were able to do enough to get the win. In this one, the Washington Nationals have certainly been playing a few unders themselves, and the San Francisco Giants well, they have now lost six out of their last eight games as they fall to the Washington Nationals by a count of 4-1. to one. In this one, it was Gerardo Parra being able to provide the long ball. His seventh home run of the year, that was a three-run home run as Joe Ross was absolutely magnificent in this one. He winds up going six innings. He doesn't give up a single earned run. And then you did have the bullpen giving up one run in three innings. That was off of Danny Hudson. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a team that is all of a sudden playing a lot of unders. Each of their last six games have went under and at home this year. They're averaging just 3.3 runs per game as compared to 5.2 on the road. Something to note. And John Anderson just continues to give up runs. He's given up four earned runs or more in all but one start ever since the beginning of July. And in this one, he did give up those four runs in just three innings, including that home run. Got to give it to the Giants bullpen, though. Second best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. They go a combined six innings. They do not give up a single run in the process. And then you add... In the later games, the Seattle Mariners being able to get a 3-2 win over the San Diego Padres. Yusei Kikuchi had been so good to the over this year. He was, I believe, the top over pitcher with regards to pitchers that qualify this year. And in this one, he was actually quite good. Five innings pitch, he gives up just one earned run. That one earned run was a sole home run. As being able to go deep for the Padres was Fernando Tatis Jr., actually a leadoff home run, his 21st of the year. And then you also had later in the game, Francisco Mejia getting his sixth home run of the year. That came off of... Brandon Brennan, and then for the Seattle Mariners, that was the only run that the bullpen gave up going in combined four innings, so that was solid for them. And Kyle Seeger, also a solid home run. He gets his 11th of the year. That came off of Joey Lucchese, and Lucchese winds up going five and a third innings in this one, giving up two runs, both of which were earned. And the bullpen wasn't necessarily too bad. They go two and two-thirds innings, giving up one run in the process, but the San Diego Padres certainly are a team that has been tailspinning ever since the All-Star break, and the Mariners, they stamp a five-game losing streak. The Pittsburgh Pirates, have now lost 21 out of their last 25 games. They fall to the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 8-3. to three. The Milwaukee Brewers, by the way, just completely own the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe that they've won every one of their series so far this year. And Drew Pomerantz wound up being almost a pseudo-opener here. He goes three innings, gives up one run. That one run was a solid home run. And then from there, the bullpen of the Brewers goes six innings. They do give up two runs, but both of those runs were unearned. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, their long ball came off the bat of Jacob Sellings, his third of the year. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, they were saying, Hip Hip Hira because Keston Hira wound up going deep twice in this one. His 12th and 13th home runs of the year as Trevor Williams, the man that had the best ERA after the All-Star break last year in the big leagues, 
Well, he got lit up in this one. Five innings pitch. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned, including those two home runs. And then the bullpen of the Pittsburgh Pirates had to go the final four innings. They give up two runs, but only one of which was earned. So they certainly have been doing an okay job there. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, that's another over at home. They've been playing 69% of their home games to the over. So... They have certainly been overwhelming there. We have to hit on the Boston Red Sox versus the Kansas City Royals game. As this game, I told you all about the betting implications of this, but the game was 4-4 four four suspended, and it's going to be made up on August 22nd. And in this one, Eduardo Rodriguez gave a pretty decent start. Five innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. He had been 17-6 and six to the over so far this year, so each of his last two starts have went under. That's a little bit interesting, and the team in general is 17-6 in his starts as well, and then you add from there the Boston Red Sox bullpen, which has been leaking a little bit. Go combine four innings, giving up two runs, so nothing great, but nothing awful there, and for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to get a home run off the bat of J.D. Martinez, his 25th of the year. That came off of Glenn Sparkman. Glenn Sparkman, who came in with an ERA above nine on the road. you got to be continuing to fade him on the road, because in this one, he wasn't much better. Four and a third innings, giving up four runs off which were earned including that home run but you got to give it up to the Kansas City Royals bullpen they wind up going four and two-thirds innings before this game was suspended they don't give up a single run you even had Kevin McCarthy striking out three batters and four outs so that was solved for them the Kansas City Royals did not get any home runs and they wound up leaving 11 men on base but they also did go four of 11 in men in scoring position so they were doing a solid job of just being able to move the line the New York Yankees they were putting on a display of power they now have hit 43 three home runs at Camden Yards this year. I believe the previous record for an opposing team hitting home runs in an opposing park was 29 as the Yankees get a 14-2 win. It was just everyone getting them in this one. Kyle Igashioka goes deep for his second and third home runs of the year. When Kyle Igashioka is getting two home runs, you know it's bad. Cameron Maben, his seventh home run of the year. Gio Urshela also goes deep for his 13th and 14th home runs of the year. As Jonathan Means was not long for this game. Three and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. I believe that they had to skip a start of him, and it clearly showed. And the bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles, not good. They wind up going a combined five and a third innings. And in the process, they give up 10 runs, only eight of which was earned. So at the very least, they had that. But all five pitchers that entered into the game for the Baltimore Orioles all gave up home runs. You also had Jonathan VR commit his 18th error of the year. The lone bright spot for the Baltimore Orioles was Trey Mancini getting his 27th home run of the year. That came off of James Baxson, who has been struggling recently, but in this one was pretty good. Six and two-thirds innings, he gives up just one run. That's a home run. And then you had Chance Adams give up a run of the bullpen. And for James Baxson, he's had essentially three straight starts in which he's given up two earned runs or fewer. Perhaps that'll right the ship. And the Arizona Diamondbacks certainly have righted the ship as well. As they get a 6-1 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. As for the Arizona Diamondbacks, no home runs in this one. They're actually in the bottom seven in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game at home with less than one per contest, but Zach Gallen in his debut with the Arizona Diamondbacks, terrific. Five innings pitch, he did have three walks, but just one hit, and then from there, you had the bullpen going combined four innings, giving up one run in the process, so they certainly did their job, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they were just solid with men in scoring position, three of ten in that regard, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, you did have Jason Vargas get the start in this one. Five innings pitch, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. He had a trio of walks, and then the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, which has not been sharp this year, actually not a bad showing. Three 
three innings pitch. They give up two runs, but only one of which was earned. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they were able to get a home run in this one off the bullpen. Bryce Harper, his 20th of the year. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is now a team that has scored four runs or fewer in 16 out of their last 23 games as well. So they're a little bit cold with the bat. As we need to now recap what we all learned in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Things are very confusing with bets when they get suspended in the 10th inning. And perhaps Eduardo Rodriguez's run of overs is going to be coming to an end. The New York Mets are absolutely white hot. The Detroit Tigers are a massive fade at home, though Ivan Nova is pitching very well. The Texas Rangers have absolutely no offense going whatsoever, but the Cleveland Indians continue to have a lights-out bullpen. The Tampa Bay Rays are struggling a little bit, but the Toronto Blue Jays are actually starting to cash some nice plus tickets for you. The Atlanta Braves and Minnesota Twins bullpens are both absolutely dreadful right now, but both certainly have their offense going. The Houston Astros are firing on all cylinders with regards to their pitching and their offense. Meanwhile, the Colorado Rockies, they can't get anything to go on the road. Homer Bailey Day might be back once again, and you know what else is back? The Chicago Cubs winning games at home as they are now 42-19 and at the friendly confines this year. The LA Dodgers are just a shade better, though, 46-15 and at home, but Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals continuing to give great starts. The San Francisco Giants have went cold with regards to the wins, having actually lost now six out of their last seven, and they are cold with their bats, having played each of their last six games to the under. Perhaps the overs in Yusei Kikuchi starts are coming to an end and the Pittsburgh and the San Diego Padres starting to struggle a little bit. The Pittsburgh Pirates in general are struggling, but the overs continue to cash in the city of Pittsburgh. The New York Yankees continue to play over 72% of their road games to the over. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles, while they continue to serve up home runs, and the Arizona Diamondbacks seem to have things going with Zach Gallen starting for them. Meanwhile, Jason Vargas seems to have come back to earth after having a good run of it with the New York Mets. So that was Wednesday. Now we've got to bring in our man from Wager Talk, Akeem Prophet, to help us turn the page and look forward to Thursday and help handicap these games. And that is coming up next right here on MLB overtime betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia hotline. And we're back here on MLB overtime betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Kilo studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is a great pleasure to have on our next guest. This is a gentleman that is doing terrific work with wager talk a West Coast better that loves all things Los Angeles and does a terrific job of covering a little bit of everything from football to basketball. He is right now doing great things in the baseball world as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ski Profit. That is S-K-E-E. And then the word profit. It is our good buddy, Akeem Profit. And how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Greg. It's great to be back on here with you and uh, talking some baseball. It is great to have you on the podcast as well. And what are some things that you've noticed the past couple of weeks with regards to baseball? Since I think that we had you on about three or four weeks ago. And something that I've noticed is that it seems like unders are starting to come back into play for full games because we noticed that a lot of games earlier in the year had been going over. But ever since the All-Star break, it seems like unders have been coming back a bit. You know what? Maybe I haven't uh, noticed too much because I've been betting more sides lately. But I've noticed that uh, it's been a little more streaky. The teams that are hot are staying hot, and uh, you just have to know when to get off. Like, for example, the Giants, they were hot for quite a while, and then you just had to know when to get off. 
Oh, absolutely. I am right there with you. I think that that's a very good point, and they are going to be in action on Thursday. It's going to be a good pitching matchup, as you've got Aaron Nola versus Madison Bumgarner. This is right now pretty much a pick game. I think the Philadelphia Phillies, you can get them at, like, minus 104 or minus 103, but essentially, you're just picking the winner in this one. You're going to be playing in the neighborhood of 105 on each, and this is a spot where I do take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, because as you mentioned, the Giants have been ice cold at home so far this year. They're averaging only right around 3.3 runs per game. Now the Phillies, they've been struggling on offense themselves. Going into their game on Wednesday, I believe that they had scored four runs or fewer in 14 out of their last 22 games. So they certainly have had a little bit of a cooling effect, but Aaron Nola has given up two earned runs or fewer, and I believe like six out of his last eight starts. And I do think that this could be a good spot here for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Aaron Nola is one of the more profitable pitchers and the Giants have quit off their three and seven in their last 10 games. I look at OPS, how they hit versus left-handed pitchers, greater runs created plus versus lefties. And I just see they have the advantage all the way down the board. So out of pick them, I would have to agree on the Phillies. Absolutely. It's going to be one of those games in which I think it's going to be nip and duck, but I do think that another factor as well is the fact that the San Francisco Giants did wind up selling off some pieces at the trade deadline with regards to their bullpen. Now they still have guys like Will Smith that are able to do a good job, but the San Francisco Giants had the second best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues going into this week, and I do think that that's something that could cool off as well because I do think that this is a bullpen that is getting badly tagged with guys like Sean Anderson not being able to make it to the fifth inning. Yeah, I agree with you. And the total is pretty interesting in this one. I mean, Bum and Nola, you're getting a 7.5. Everybody probably wants to bet under. I'm not quite sure where to go there, but I just thought it was interesting. I think so as well. And I think that this is a spot where I'm going to be looking at and over because with both these guys, they've won about 140 innings apiece. They're both giving up. 20 to 21 home runs for the year. So they're giving up a little bit over 1.5 home runs per nine innings with the Philadelphia Phillies. You do have a couple guys that are able to go yard in Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper. I know that they've been in a little bit of an outage recently, but I do think that this is a spot where you could see an over and you certainly could see an over whenever you see Chris Sale takes the mound. He has not been good recently. I believe in five out of his last seven starts, he's given up five or more earned runs. He has not been good. Least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues going to be going up against Dylan Peters of the LA Angels. Now the LA Angels have lost nine out of their last 11 games. They wound up losing five of seven against the Detroit Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles. Needless to say, not a redeeming quality, but Dylan Peters has actually been doing a solid job of starting. Meanwhile, Chris Sale, he is the most badly overpriced pitcher out there in the big leagues, and I think that this might be worth taking a shot with the Angels on. Yeah, uh, you won't hear me complaining about that. It's not a secret that I'm not a fan of Chris Sale. Any chance I can take to bet against him, I will try to do it. We talked about teams that were hot and when to get off. The Angels had the magic with Skaggs, and then they went pretty cold. At this price, against Sale, one of the most profitable pitchers, I'd have to take a shot on the Angels. Yep, I'm certainly going to be looking at that plus price myself as a keen profit. Joining me right here on the podcast does terrific work for Wager Talk and always does terrific work whenever he joins me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And we were talking about a pickup game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Francisco Giants. We've got another one with a very, very tight line involving two American League teams with the Cleveland Indians hitting the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. The Cleveland Indians are going to be sending out their Mike Clevenger, a man that ever since he gave up seven runs in less than two innings against the Baltimore Orioles has been terrific. Over the course of his last five starts, I believe that he's given up six earned runs and he's given up one earned run or fewer in five out of the last six. He's been absolutely magnificent. Meanwhile, Kyle Gibson, he's looked better in his most recent couple starts, but he has been a little bit hot and cold since the summer began. 
Total on this game is nine. Where are you looking at in this one? Because I do think that there might be a little bit of value with the Cleveland Indians, especially with the way that they were able to blow things open in game two of their doubleheader against the Rangers yesterday. I have to disagree on this one. Twins don't lose too many games in a row. I know that they had a that whenever they lose a game, they come back and win. And now they've lost two in a row. There's the stats I look at, as I said, OPS, right-handed pitching, weighted runs, created plus, first righties. I mean, they have the advantage down the board. So I would have a slighted lean to the Twins. Kyle Gibson looks like he's been pretty good. I would dig a little deeper into it, but as of now, I'd have a lean on the Twins. I certainly will give you that stat as the Minnesota Twins coming off a loss have won the most games in regards to percentage coming off a loss of any team out there in the big leagues, right around 70%. So they certainly have been good coming off a loss. And a team that has just been good at cashing overs in general on the road is the New York Yankees. They are the best over team whenever they're on the road, cashing at over a 70% flip. And Domingo Ron is going to be going at it against Thomas Fanone. Right now, I'm seeing a total on this game of 10.5. But I do think that this could be an interesting spot for an under because with the Toronto Blue Jays, they have the lowest batting average of any team at home, but they also have one of the best bullpen ERAs of any team in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break as well. Domingo Ramon has been one of the more profitable pitchers, but he is a guy that gives up a couple home runs. I could see this being a spot where the Toronto Blue Jays are able to get a couple solo shots and they're able to win a little bit of a lower scoring game. That's interesting that you say that. As far as the total, I'm not too interested in the total, but the side here, I mean, the Yankees are one of the hotter teams in the league. They won seven in a row. Even looking at the first five, Yankees are a top five team in the first five, and Blue Jays are the bottom five in the first five. And we have one of the more profitable pitchers in Herman. He's 14 and two. I would have to look at playing the Yankees maybe early on the first five or playing the Yankees run line in this game. Yeah, it certainly is a lot of juice if you're looking to lay the lay it with the Yankees. Yankees right around a minus 185 to minus 190 favor, which is why I am gravitating towards the Toronto Blue Jays in this one. A Blue Jays team that I will say has actually been doing a pretty good job in their last 10 games. I believe that they're 7-3 and three in that stretch. And ever since they sold off Marcus Stroman and company, I do think that it has fired them up a little bit. And with the New York Yankees, they have been absolutely amazing. But we also do know this. They now have Edwin Encarnacion injured. Aaron Hicks is injured. The list of injuries goes on and on. And I feel like that bullpen is starting to get a little bit too badly taxed. And you know what? I did overlook the Blue Jays. 73, their last 10. You're correct. So maybe I will take a step back and look at that game a little closer. But as of now, as I told you, the stats I look at, I mean, down the board, of course, it screams Yankees. That's why they're highly juiced. But I just can't see myself betting any other way than on one of the more profitable pitchers and more profitable teams early. So with the Yankees being such a public team, this is probably a line that if you're listening to this podcast right now, you want to fire right away. If you're looking at the Blue Jays, you probably want to wait until first pitch and wait until the public money comes in as a keen profit joining me right here on the podcast. And then we've got another game with a pretty tight line as well. The Chicago Cubs hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Alex Wood is going to be going out there for the Reds. His first two starts off the injured list. He's looked very good. Meanwhile, the Cubs trot out their Cole Hamels. The Cubs have certainly not been good on the road. They're 10 games below 500 on the road so far this year. They're vastly different home and away with regards to their splits. But I will say, if there's one guy that you could trust on the road, it has been Cole Hamels. I know he spent quite a bit of time off the injured list, but in his first start coming off of it against Milwaukee Brewers, did not give up a single run there. And Alex Wood, a guy that is being backed up by one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues over the last 30 days with regards to the Cincinnati Reds. What do you make out of this one? Because I do think that there are some interesting trends here that could lean you to either way. As far as a side, I'm not too interested in this one, but you made some good points. Alex Wood has been pretty good, and you can trust Cole Hamels on the road. This went under both of the times Alex Wood has went out there for the Reds, and the Reds are one of the best under teams in the league. You mentioned the Cubs are not the same on the road as they are at home. 
I would have to take a lean on the under. I think it's sitting at a nine there. I would definitely have a lean on the under. It's currently sitting at a nine, and that under is right around anywhere between even a plus 105, so you might be able to get some very favorable juice there. And is there anything else that you're really seeing on the card for Thursday? Because we do have a little bit of a shorter one, but I know that the Braves are going to be hitting the road against the Miami Marlins. The Braves are 22-6 and as a road favorite this year. I think that that's intriguing. Royals and Detroit Tigers are off the board. There's just not much that can be made there until we know who the Kansas City Royals are going to be trotting out there. And then got an interesting game with the Rockies and the Padres because one thing that I've noticed with the Padres is that in every one of their game ones in a homestand, so when they get home, they play game one, every one of them have won under so far this year. And I'm seeing a total of eight and a half with two solid pitchers in John Gray and Eric Lauer. First of all, that's interesting. The last one that you said, the Rockies, the hitting is better at home for them. And I think that the pitching is still okay on the road. So I could understand that. But the look that I had would be the Braves. As you mentioned, they're a great road team. It's a little bit juicy. You would have to take the run line. But down the board, the stats I look at, they favor the Braves going up against, I think it's one of the pitchers you like there, Eliza Hernandez. So uh, I would lean on the Braves run line. That's pretty much it. We've, we've talked about all the things I would be looking at in this card. And usually when we talk, Greg, we agree more than we disagree. And this time we disagree. Oh, it's yeah. Okay. It's always good. We agree on a couple of them. We disagree on a couple. So if we cash in on all the ones that we agree on and then the disagreements we go 50-50 on, we're both going to be profitable. And that's always good because you always want to get different perspectives as well as Keen Profit joining me right here on the podcast. And it is one of those things when it comes to handicapping with me, I always tell people to trust in their own handicapping just because one person might be on another side or something like that doesn't mean that you all of a sudden should be flipping your numbers and everything like that just because you see steam coming in on one side doesn't mean you're on the wrong side of it as well. As long as you have a long track record of it, you've studied the play and you feel good about it, you should always stick with it. That's always my philosophy about it. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I'm always a big believer in just having a little bit of faith in yourself and having faith in the research that you put in. I agree 100%. And I think I had a big conversation about this during the NBA season, but I bet against a couple of line moves on totals and uh, I just have faith in my numbers. So I agree with what you said. I do think that that's a big takeaway that especially newer betters should be looking at a little bit just because there is a line move doesn't mean that it is the correct move. And Hakeem, I would like to close it up with this. I know that you're doing tremendous work with Wager Talk. I know you do a couple other things as well. People can follow you on Twitter at Ski Profit. Let the good people at home know where they can get a little bit more of you and just what you're working on in general. Oh, yeah, well, I finally just moved, so I'll have some Very more content nice. going. You can find me on Twitter, as you said, at Ski Profit. I'll be starting up my YouTube, so I'll tweet out the link to my YouTube, and I'll try to either do a live video or a video every day with a pic, and that's what I'll be working on. You can find my work at Wager Talk. Find me on Twitter, at Ski Profit. Big thanks to Akeem Profit for joining me right here on the podcast. Always delivers dynamite information. And now I hope to give you some dynamite picks next as I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. 
Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Akeem Profit of Wager Talk for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in a little something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Nope, then any changes that are made to these plays are going to be listed up on my Twitter feed, at squared one With a few of these games, they're all locked in, good to go, bet on everything like that. A lot of these games were in wait and see mode, waiting on some lineup changes, announcements, line moves, everything like that, so... We're in wait and see mode on some of those and any changes, like I said before, and the numbers I do locked in going to be listed on my Twitter feed at squirty one And as per usual, we're going to be going in rotation order as according to the Las Vegas betting board. And as per usual as well, I'll be letting you know what's all pending and what's all locked in. As we start with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting rotation, the Atlanta Braves hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Eliza Hernandez goes for the Miami Marlins. Dallas Keuchel for the Atlanta Braves. If you're looking at the Braves, going to be laying anywhere between minus 194 and minus 195. Your plus price with the Miami Marlins is anywhere between plus 175 and plus 177. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over and under are both at minus 110. And the Miami Marlins seem to be cooling down a little bit. There was a point where for like a 55-game stretch, they were right around 500. Seems like things are not going so well for them. And the Atlanta Braves, as a road favorite this year, 22-6. and Dallas Keuchel has neither been great or awful recently. In his last start, he winds up giving up three runs in seven innings to the Cincinnati Reds. And that's really been his M.O. recently. He's had two starts in which he's given up more than three earned runs, but... In the other four starts that he had in the month of July, he gave up one or two runs. He's been going seven innings in a lot of his starts, and he's been doing a good job of being able to keep things out in front of him. He's given out three walks per nine innings, been giving up a couple long balls, but with the Miami Marlins, we know that they don't really go deep too often. Meanwhile, Liza Hernandez, this is a guy that's giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. He has not necessarily been effective in a lot of his starts. He did have one good one at the end of July. He wound up being able to go four innings, giving up just one run against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but in his previous start against the Rays, he gives up five runs in three innings there. And with the Miami Marlins, their bullpen seems to be a little bit better, but at the same time, it's leaky. I will say this, with the Atlanta Braves, the bullpen acquisitions that they got, including Shane Green, not necessarily so good, but the good news for this team is they are backed up by a very good lineup that was able to slug out 11 runs yesterday. And that all starts with Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. Both these guys have been doing a terrific job of being able to hit home runs, 29 home runs apiece for them. Acuna Jr. along with Ozzy Albies, both in between a 290 and a 300. Freddie Freeman, more around a 310. You've got a lot of home runs out of the bat of Josh Donaldson as well. He's hitting a 263. He has went deep 26 times. It is also big that you have Ender Enciarte and Yohan Camargo off the injured list. Both these guys have been struggling for the year, but you got to feel like they're going to be able to pick it up. You've also got Charlie Culverson and Adam Duvall both hitting above a 300. Both these guys don't see a lot of at-bats, but Adam Duvall, ever since being recalled from AAA, has been seeing a lot of action. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, you are getting some production out of Brad Anderson. He's done a good job hitting right around a 250, 18 home runs for him. And then you do have a couple guys that have been doing a solid job of being able to get on base. Harold Ramirez has seen a little bit of a dip in his batting average, but he's still hitting at 265. And you've also got Sterling Castro 
now hitting in the neighborhood of a 250, but John Birdie has been hitting a 285. Garrett Cooper more in the neighborhood of a 280, and Brian Alday above a 300. He's been filling in quite a bit for Jorge Alfaro, who's been a bit banged up, but then there are the guys that do need to pick it up, like your Lewis Brinson's, Curtis Granderson's, Yadiel Rivera's, guys like this are all hitting below a 220, so that has been a very big issue for this team, and I think that the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to win this game convincingly. I think Eliza Hernandez gets blown up, but I think the bullpen from there might be able to cobble up some pretty good innings, and I think that Dallas Keuchel is going to be able to deliver his good stuff. So for that reason, looking at the Braves on the run line and the total under, right now waiting to see if this total ticks up a little bit so that way it can get a little bit more favorable juice. And with the run line of the Braves, seeing that anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125, would like to lay a little bit less if at all possible. 953-954 on the bag rotation. The Cincinnati Reds play OC Chicago Cubs. It is going to be Cole Hamels going for the Cubs. Alex Wood for the Cincinnati Reds. Your total on this game is 9. The over is juice anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the Reds, your plus price here is anywhere between plus 105 and plus 108. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Cubs, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 118. We do know this with the Chicago Cubs. They're a vastly different team home to road. At home this year, they have won nearly 70% of their games. On the road, this is a team that's over 10 games below 500. But what I will say is the best road pitcher for the Cubs so far this year has been Cole Hamels. He's been pretty bulletproof. This is a guy that is given up, I would say, right around .85 home runs per nine innings. He's done a great job of not being taken yard. 6-3 record. He did spend a lot of time on the injured list, but in his first start back, winds up going five innings. Did not give up a single run to the Milwaukee Brewers. That's a very good sign. And then with Alex Wood, he's looked good ever since coming off the injured list. In two starts, he has given up three home runs, but I believe that he's only given up four total runs, so they've been solo shots. He's only given out two walks as well, but we also know this about the Cincinnati Reds. In the last 30 days, their bullpen ERA, one of the worst out there in the big leagues, and it looks like the Chicago Cubs bullpen is actually improved. They're in the top 10 with regards to ERA for the year. Recently, they've been doing a much better job after they gas canned a couple games against the Milwaukee Brewers, and you've got a lot of guys on this team that are able to hit. Anthony Rizzo, Jason Award, Nick Cassianos, all hitting between a 274 and a 284. And in the case of Rizzo, he has been going yard quite a bit with 21 home runs. Chris Bryant, he's got over 20 home runs himself. He's hitting nearly a 290 to go along with his 22 dingers. You are dealing with a injury to Wilson Contreras. He's got 19 home runs. He's been hitting just below 300 for the year, but his understudy, Victor Carantini, hitting a 265 and his on-base percentage is above a 350, so he's done a solid job there. Ian Happ has been a nice addition as well. After a little bit of a slow start, he's really gotten it going. 320 batting average. On-base percentage above a 450 and a very limited amount of at-bats. Kyle Schwarber's only getting a 235, but it seems like things are trending in the right direction. He now has 26 home runs on the year. Javi Baez has went deep over 26 times himself. He's hitting a 295, so things are really going well with the bats with regards to the Chicago Cubs. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Cincinnati Reds. Eugenio Suarez has been absolutely terrific. He's hitting just below 260. 30 home runs for him. And then you do have a couple guys that have been picking it up with regards to their batting average as well. Jesse Winker and Joey Votto. A couple guys that have been in and out of the lineup recently the past few days. Hitting between a 260 and a 270. I know that Winker wound up having a pinch hitting role yesterday. Do have a couple guys towards the bottom of the lineup that they do need to pick it up with the bat. Jose Peraza hitting a 235. Tucker Barner to 220. Kyle Farmer, whenever he's out there, he's not been giving the team a whole lot, but. Then you've got a couple guys that are out there in the outfield and they're doing a good job. Philip Irvin is hitting above a 300. You've got Josh Van Meter hitting above a 300 as well. And then Arstides Aquino 
in a very, very small sample size, setting a 438. Obviously, that's probably something that's not going to last, but it's just fun to say. And then you do also have Big Senzel and Jose Iglesias hitting between a 280 and a 290 as well, so they've been doing a little bit of a better job in that regard, but I do think that Cole Hamels is going to be able to keep this game out in front of him. I do think that this is a spot in which the Cubs are going to be able to get to Alex Wood. I think that they're going to be able to take him deep a couple times, and I think that the Cubs are going to be able to break their road woes, and I think that they're going to have a big performance here. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Chicago Cubs and the total over. With the over, I'm noticing a lot of juice on the 9. Would like to be able to maybe get a little bit of a plus price on a 9.5 instead. And with the Cubs, right now waiting to see if a little bit of steam comes in on the rides because I think it is pretty well documented, the struggles that they've had on the road. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting rotation. It is the Philadelphia Phillies, and they hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner goes for the Giants. Meanwhile, Aaron Supernola for the Philadelphia Phillies. The total on this game is 7.5. The under is anywhere between minus 150. To minus 120, the over is anywhere between even and minus 105, and this is pretty much a pick them across the board. Looking at the Giants, it's anywhere between minus 105 and minus 108, with the Phillies going to be laying anywhere between minus 102 and minus 105. And with the Phillies, you are getting some very good starts out of Aaron Nola, and you got to say, with the San Francisco Giants, Madison Bumgarner down the stretch has been doing a very good job. Both these guys, ironically enough, have won just a shade over 140 innings, and both have given up 20 home runs, but I do think that Aaron Nola is is a little bit more equipped to be able to have a good start in this one because you just take a look at what he's done recently. Over the course of his last nine starts, he's given up one earned run or fewer in seven of them. He has been absolutely magnificent. Meanwhile, Madison Bumgarner, he's shown a little bit of a chink in the armor recently. He's got a 6-7 and seven record, 392 ERA. He certainly has been improved since he did have a little bit of a rough stretch to begin the year, but in his last start, I do recognize it was at Coors Field. He wound up giving up five runs, a five-inning start before that against the Padres. He wound up getting the win, but he gave up four runs in that start. He's given up three runs or more in each of his last three starts before then. In late June slash early July, he had been just completely lights out. But it does feel like the Giants in general are starting to come back to earth. This is a team that has lost five out of their last six. The Philadelphia Phillies have, though, been struggling a little bit with their bats. But you do have to like the fact that this is a team that they still do have a little bit of pop in the lineup. And that is all led by Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. These two guys have a combined 43 home runs. You've got Reese Hoskins hitting just above a 250, Bryce Harper just below a 250. But then you've got a bunch of guys that they are hitting between a 275 and a 285. Cesar Hernandez, Scott Kingery, Adam Hazley, JT Riyamuto, and Gene Segura all in that neighborhood. And then you are getting quite a bit of production out of Corey Dickerson. Ever since being acquired from the Pittsburgh Pirates, this guy's been tremendous. He's hitting 317 for the year. He's already got two home runs in a Phillies uniform. And with this team, you do have a couple bats that they do need to pick it up. Brad Miller, Roman Quinn, Nick Williams, all these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. And then Knapp, the backup catcher, he's hitting right around the Mendoza line as well, which is 200. But for the San Francisco Giants, this is a team that recently parted ways with Joe Panic. Kevin Pillar has been given the team 13 home runs, but he's hitting a 245. You've got Pablo Sandoval right now is the best home run hitter on this team. He's got 14 home runs. He's hitting in the neighborhood of a 270. He's been the best bat of this team. 
You saw Austin Slater and Dickerson be able to give this team a nice boost in the outfield, but Dickerson has been nowhere to be found recently. I will say Donovan Solano hitting a 331 is a big boost for the team, but Brandon Crawford's hitting a 225. Stephen Boyd is hitting a 280, which is nice, but he doesn't necessarily play every day. Stephen Duger is back in full, but he's hitting a 235. Mike Ustremski's hitting a 265. Buster Posey at 260. There's just not really a whole lot of sizzle with this team. And at home, the San Francisco Giants are averaging right around 3.3 runs per game. On the road, they average more around 5.2, so they certainly have had their issues at home. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, I do think that they're going to be able to get to Madison Bumgarner. The Giants had to go deep into their bullpen yesterday because Sean Anderson wound up not being able to make it to the fourth inning. And I do think that that's going to be an issue for a San Francisco Giants bullpen that has the second-best ERA out there in the big leagues but did sell off some pieces at the trade deadline. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Philadelphia Phillies in some form or capacity. Going to be at the very least a money line. If I get a very, very favorable run line price. Now, I'm talking like plus 175 or something like that. I might look into it, but right now in Wayne C mode there. And with regards to this total, trying to see if it takes down to 7. If I could get an unjuiced 7, I'd be very happy. If not, I'll take the 7.5 at even. Just in Wayne C mode on both of those. 9.57, 9.58 on the bag rotation. The San Diego Padres play the Colorado Rockies. John Gray goes for the Rockies. Eric Lauer for the San Diego Padres. Your total on this game is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Padres, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 104 and minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, that's anywhere between minus 105 and minus 106. So this is your textbook definition of a pick'em game right here. And I have a very interesting trend on this one. Some of you might, some of you guys might call it phony baloney, but every time the San Diego Padres have come back home from a road trip, so their first game of a homestand, every one of those games in game one have went under. I think that that's a very unique trend. And Eric Lauer, he certainly has been getting roughed up a little bit, but there was a stretch from, I would say, the middle of May to late June that in which he was doing a very good job. He was giving up, like, one earned run in every one of his starts. And in his last start on the road against the Dodgers, looked very good. Six innings pitch, he gave up two runs there. He was really getting shelled in a couple of his starts against the Cubs, and the Mets didn't necessarily look so sharp in July. He was grieving because he did have to deal with the death of his father, so perhaps there was a little bit of a psychology thing going on there. Meanwhile, John Gray has been pretty good for the Colorado Rockies so far this year. This is a man with a 10-7 record, ERA hovering right around four. His last start against the San Francisco Giants didn't necessarily go as planned. He gave up four runs there, but you take a look at the months of June and July. He gave up more than four earned runs in just one of his starts, and heck, you even dated back to May. He gave up in his last two starts in the month of May. He combined five earned runs in 12 and a third innings there. So this is a guy that recently has been doing a good job. The Colorado Rockies bullpen, I will say, has not necessarily been too trustworthy. But when you take a look at the Colorado Rockies on the road, they've got a top 10 ERA out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, it's the worst ERA in the big leagues at home. Meanwhile, the San Diego Padres, well, they just don't have too many reliable bullpen pieces aside from Kirby Yates in general. So that has been a little bit of an issue. You, but you do have a reliable bet in regards to getting home runs for the San Diego Padres and Hunter Renfro. Only getting a 235, but he's got 30 home runs. You've got Manny Machado, who does a better job with his average. 275 average for him, 26 home runs, and then you got Fernando Tatis Jr. He's won deep 20 times, 322 batting average. He's been amazing. You've got a couple guys, though, that they really do need to pick it up with the bat. Luis Arreyes, Austin Hedges, Will Myers, Ian Kinsler, all these guys are hitting at 230 or lower. And then you got Josh Naylor who's hitting right in that neighborhood as well. But Manuel Margot's hitting at 250. Greg Garcia, whenever you have him out in the fold, he's been doing a solid job hitting right around at 270. 
Francisco Mejia has been solid as well recently, and I will say Eric Hosmer, this guy's an RBI machine. 285 batting average, 17 home runs, 77 RBI. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Colorado Rockies. You do have a lot of guys that are doing a great job of mashing. Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. All these guys have 22-plus home runs. In the case of Story, he's hitting a 282 with 26 home runs. Leads the team in stolen bases. Nolan Arenado, 25 dingers. He's hitting above a 300. And then you've got Charlie Blackman hitting above a 310 as well with his 22 home runs. David Dahl has been hitting above 300. Tony Walters hitting in the neighborhood of a 275. And you've got quite a few guys hitting between a 265 and a 275. Ryan McMahon, Romeo Tapia, and Ian Desmond are all in that neighborhood as well. You're also getting a lot out of Daniel Murphy. He's got his batting average hovering right around 300 as well. You've got Yonder Alonso now in the fold. This is a guy that's hitting below 200 for the year, but ever since coming over to Colorado, he's been showing a little bit of something, and I do think that this is a spot in which John Gray is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start than Eric Lauer, and I would have a little bit more faith in the Rockies with their bullpen in the spot as well. That is assuming that they don't use Wade Davis, who has just been a hot mess. You've got other guys like Scott Oberg that have been very solid. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Rockies. I do think that this is another game that's going to go under in game one of a home stand of the Padres. So going to be on the Rockies in the under. Currently Wayne Simo, I think that a little bit of steam is right now coming in on the Padres. And I just want to lay a little bit less juice on the under, if at all possible. We move on to 959-960 on the bank rotation. The New York Yankees hit the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Thomas Pannone goes for the Blue Jays. Domingo Herman for the New York Yankees. Your total on this game is 10.5. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Blue Jays, going to be getting a plus price of plus 170. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it with the Yankees, anywhere between minus 185 and minus 190. And if you've bet on Domingo Herman in every one of his starts for $100, according to Odd Shark, he is one of the top 10 most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. And this is despite the fact that, let's face it, he has been taking yard quite a bit. When you take a look at Domingo Herman, he certainly has a gaudy record. He has lost just twice. He's got 14 wins, but he's giving up right around 1.85 home runs per nine innings. He does have some pretty good swing and miss stuff. He's got right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And in his last start against the Boston Red Sox, he gave up just two runs in seven innings. But this is a guy that... On the road, he certainly has had his struggles. In his last two road starts, he went a combined eight innings against the Twins and the Boston Red Sox, giving up 11 runs. And this is a guy that, in just one of his road starts ever since May 21st, has given up three runs or more in every one of them. So, needless to say, he's giving it up there. Thomas Benone, meanwhile, he doesn't necessarily have a big name or anything like that, but he's been doing a decent job for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, he did give up four runs in six innings against the Baltimore Orioles in his last start, but the start before that, on the road against the Royals, he winds up going six innings, gives up two runs there. In the month of June, he was being used as a little bit of a reliever, but he wound up going three and two-thirds innings against this very Yankees lineup, not giving up a single run, and we do know that with the New York Yankees, this is a team that is pretty badly banged up. You now have Edwin Encarnacion out of the fold. Mike Ford has been seeing some at-bats as a result. Now, you do still have DJ LeMay, who's been incredible. 76 RBI, 336 batting average. He does a little bit of everything. Gio Urshela, Cameron Maben, pair of guys are hitting above a 300. Mike Talkman right in that neighborhood as well, but now you've got Brett Gardner back. He's been hitting right around a 250. Got a couple guys like Brevik Valera and Kev and Kyle Higashioka there are now seeing some 
time as well. I really have never heard of either of these guys. 235 batting average there. I know that Higashioka spent a little time at the big leagues last year, but that's not necessarily a guy that you want to be pushing your trips in the middle with, and Didi Gregorius hitting a 265 himself. Meanwhile, with the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team with the worst batting average of any team out there in the big leagues at home, but you do have a lot of guys that are hitting for a lot of power. Randall Gritchick has 19 home runs, Freddie Galvis, 18 of them, and then Lords Gurriel has 19 home runs himself. With Lords Gurriel, he's been doing a great job with his batting average. He and Flaggero Jr. both have their batting average hovering right in the neighborhood of a 275 to a 280. I know that Vlad Guerrero wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he's been doing a very solid job. Freddie Galvis hitting a 270 in his own right. Randall Gritchick has his 19 home runs with the 240 batting average. Now you do have a couple guys that need to pick it up. Teoscar Hernandez, Brandon Jury, Justin Smoke, Derek Fisher, the entire catcher spot in general. All these guys hitting a 230 or lower along with Kevon Biggio, but you do have guys like Smoke, Teoscar Hernandez, Rowdy Telez, the list goes on and on, that they've got 15 plus home runs. So they've been doing a very good job of being able to slug out the power. And that is really Domingo Herman's biggest kryptonite. And with the New York Yankees, we know that they've got a very good bullpen. Guys like Adam Adovino, Tommy Canely, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton, the list goes on and on. They've all been doing a very good job. But with the Toronto Blue Jays, they've actually had one of the better bullpen ERAs out there at the big ever since the All-Star break as well. I do think that Thomas Benone is going to be able to deliver a good start. I know that over 70% of the Yankees' road games have went over so far this year, but I think that Panona is going to be able to keep them at bay. I think that the Yankees' bullpen is going to be solid, but I think that Domingo Roman gives up a couple home runs, and that's going to be the difference in the game. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking at the plus price here of the Toronto Blue Jays, and we're going to be looking at the total under with the over. I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the over. We saw a sharp dip to the under early. This total opened up at 11. Now it's at 10.5, shaded to the over. would like to be able to maybe get like a plus 105 on under 10. That would be really nice if at all possible. So I'm in wait and see mode there. 961, 962 on the bank rotation. The Boston Red Sox play OC LA Angels. Dylan Peters goes for the LA Angels. Chris Sale for the Boston Red Sox. Your total on this game is 10.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the over anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Angels, plus 210 across the board is that price. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox are going to be forcing you to lay minus 240. And we all know by now that Chris Sale is the least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. If you've laid $100 on every one of his starts so far this year, according to our good friends at Odd Shark, you've lost over $1,100. It has not went well. You for you, 5-11 record. He's got an ERA of a 468. This is a man in Chris Sale that's giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. And recently, this is a man that just has not been good. He wound up giving up that eight spot to the New York Yankees over the course of three and two-thirds innings. I will say the home plate umpire did not give him a whole lot of help there. But you take a look over the course of his last seven starts. He's given up five earned runs or more in five of them. And it doesn't matter who it's against. It's against some good teams. It's against some bad teams. He is just lending himself to a whole lot of runs. Meanwhile, Mr. Peters, this is a man with a 320 ERA. His last start, he went up against the Cleveland Indians. He gave up three runs. But I will say, seven and two-thirds innings, he gave good length there. That was a little bit unexpected because in his previous two starts, he went to combine nine innings against the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles. Only gave up two runs there. So he's done a good job of being able to keep games out in front of him. With the Angels, this is a team that is ice cold. They have lost nine out of their last 11 games. But what I will say for the LA Angels is, despite the fact that their bullpen stinks, the Boston Red Sox bullpen also has not been too much right home about. Guys like Marcus Walden, Matt Barnes, Heath Emery and company, they have not necessarily looked good. And with the LA Angels, you do have that man, Mike Trout. He's hitting nearly a 300, 
38 home runs so far this year. His RBI count is at an 89. And then you've got a couple other guys that do a good job with their batting average as well. Brian Goodwin, Daniel Fletcher, Shohei Otani, all these guys are hitting between a 284 and a 290. Justin Upton has really been struggling. His batting average is at a 213, but then you've got Cole Calhoun and Albert Pools hitting between a 235 and a 245. In the case of Pools, he's went deep 17 times so far this year, and you've got a lot of power out of Cole Calhoun. He's went deep 25 times this year. Luis Rangifo has seen his batting average dip to a 240, but you are getting a little bit of something whenever Kevon Smith is out there at the catcher spot. He's hitting a 250. I will say Jared Walsh has not been doing a lot with his batting average right around 237. And Max Sassy, whenever he's behind the plate, he's a hot mess between his time with the Astros and the LA Angels. He's hitting a buck 50, but you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. This is also a team that likes to mash. Rafael Devers going into the team's game yesterday against the Kansas City Royals was hitting a 321. 23 home runs for him, 87 RBIs. Xander Bogarts, 25 dingers of his own. He's been hitting above a 300. And then you got J.D. Martinez, who has been in and out of the lineup a little bit this year, but he was in it yesterday. He's hitting a 324 home runs of his own. Andrew Benatendi, Mookie Betts, Christian Vasquez, these guys are all in between a 280 and a 285. And Betts has 19 home runs, leads the team in stolen bases. Mitch Moreland and Jackie Bradley Jr. need to pick it up. They're both hitting a 222. And then you got Sandy Leon that's doing nothing with the bat, but Brock Holt hitting above a 300 himself. Whenever you need someone like Marco Hernandez, he's been able to step up as well. So I certainly think that runs are going to be a plenty in this spot but I just think that this is another spot in which Chris Sale is going to get destroyed. I think that Dylan Peters probably not going to be as good as his recent starts, but I think he's going to be able to keep this game out in front of him, and I think that the Angels are going to win a high-scoring battle. So for that reason, going to be taking the plus price here of the Angels and going to be taking the total over. With the over, I am currently in Wayne C mode. I do think that a little bit of money is going to be coming in on the under because of the name Chris Sale, and I certainly think that with how poorly the Angels have played and the name brand of the Boston Red Sox that there's not going to be a whole lot of public money coming out on the Angels there, so I'm waiting to see out on that as well. 963, 964 on the bang rotation is our lone game that is off the board as it is the Kansas City Royals, and they are hitting the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Matthew Boyd is going to be going for the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, we've got a good old to-be-determined starter, which means that this game is presently off the board, and for Matthew Boyd, it has been a little bit of a nice turnaround. He has been doing a little bit of a better job as from the beginning of June until I would say mid-July, he was giving up three earned runs or more in every one of his starts. I believe that was an eight-start stint. In his last three starts, he's given up two runs, two earned runs or fewer. I will say he's been a little bit loose with the long ball. He has given up right around 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Obviously not a redeeming quality there, but he certainly is pitching a little bit better, and he needs to because, let's face it, with the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that just is not supplying anything with the offense whatsoever. They just got completely held down by Ivan Nova yesterday. A resurgent Ivan Nova, but they still got held down by Ivan Nova regardless. And right now you've got two guys in the lineup that are hitting above a 255 in Miguel Cabrera and Hero Castro. Hero Castro, 282 at batting average, Miguel Cabrera, 285. I lied. You also have Brandon Dixon. He's hitting a 263, and I will give him a little bit of credit. 14 home runs. He's been solid. And then you got Nico Goodrum. He's hitting a 252. Power has not been there so far this year, but at the very least, he's been doing an okay job. And Jody Mercer is picking up his batting average right around a 250, but you had in the lineup four guys that were hitting a 232 or lower, and then Gordon Beckham, the pitch hitter yesterday, a 210 or lower. This team has so many guys that are just unable to get on base. Christian Stewart's right now on the injured list. You're playing guys like DeWell Lugo and company, and the Detroit Tigers in their home games over the course of their last 
37 home games are 5-32 straight up. This is an unbackable side right now. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. They're not necessarily the Mona Lisa vetoes of hitting either, but at the same time, you do have a couple guys that are doing a great job of being able to set the table, and that all starts with Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield hitting nearly 300 with Adelberto Mondesi, one of the best base dealers out there in the big leagues out. He certainly has shined. You do also have Hunter Dozier and Alex Gordon doing a solid job. Alex Gordon got the day off yesterday. He's hitting right around 270, but Hunter Dozier's been hitting at 280. You also have some power with Jorge Soler, 31 home runs going into Wednesday's action, 253 batting average, and Chesler Cuthbert hitting a 290 himself, but then you do have some guys that do really need to pick it up with the bat. Umberto Ortega, Nicky Lopez, Ryan O'Hearn, Billy Hamilton, Lucas Duda, and Cam Gallagher are all guys that are in a 230 or lower. I will say that V. Loria, I hope I'm saying that last name correctly at the catcher spot, in a limited amount of at-bats, has been pretty decent there, so he gets a little bit of a tip of the cap from me, but I do think that this is a game that could be a little bit lower scoring. It's going to be interesting to see what the Kansas City Royals try out there because, let's face it, the Kansas City Royals are bullpen. It's not very good. If it's someone like a Jorge Lopez, I might actually be willing to take a shot here on the Detroit Tigers. But this is one of those games that it certainly is out in limbo because we're going to be Quite honestly, witnessed you some bad baseball on Thursday. So, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 for set plays there. But it is really based on what the Kansas City Royals tried out their first starting pitcher as we wrap things up with 965 966 on the bang rotation. The Minnesota Twins are playing also the Cleveland Indians. Mike Clevenger goes for the Indians. Kyle Gibson for the Minnesota Twins. Your total on this game is 9. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. This is essentially a pick'em game with the Minnesota Twins. Laying anywhere between minus 106 and minus 107 with the Indians laying anywhere between minus 103 and minus 104. And this is a spot where I'm certainly going to be looking at the Cleveland Indians. They played essentially a series of leaster with the Texas Rangers and Mike Clevenger ever since giving up those seven runs and less than two innings to the Baltimore Orioles has been absolutely magnificent. Over the course of his last six starts, he's given up one earned run or fewer in five of them. And he's right now given up more than one earned run in just one of those starts as well. This is a guy that has been doing an absolutely magnificent job in that regard. And he's getting a whole bunch of swing and misses. In 56 innings, 80 strikeouts this year. He's giving up right around a home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, with Kyle Gibson, the 11-4 and record is nice. He's been highly profitable. Won the top 20 pitchers with regards to, if you bet $100, how much money he's been making you for the year, according to Odd Shark. And he looked decent in his last start against the Kansas City Royals. And for that, matter is start before that against White Sox combined three earned runs over those two starts but you take a look at what he did essentially from the middle of June until early July he had five starts in which he gave up three earned runs or more and four in which he gave up at least four earned runs and the reason why I'm not throwing out there an exact number is because he had a couple opens he wound up going one inning against the Texas Rangers three and two-thirds innings against the Cleveland Indians it was just one of those things where he had a couple awkward appearances so he was thrown a little bit out of flux and we also know this I know that the Cleveland Indians did have to go through a lot of their bullpen in a bullpen game against the Texas Rangers in that doubleheader yesterday, but the Cleveland Indians, number one bullpen in the big league so far this year. Meanwhile, with the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that is ranked in the bottom five in regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break, but it certainly does help when you've got Nelson Cruz and Max Kepler being able to pound out the long ball. Nelson Cruz hitting right around to 295, 32 home runs for him. Max Kepler, 
We're around to 260 to 265 to go with his 31 home runs. Mitch Garver has went deep 19 times. He's hitting at 275. Ahir Adrianza's back at the fold. Jorge Polanco's hitting at 295. You've got Eddie Rosario with over 20 home runs. He's hitting at 290. Miguel Sano is getting a home run every, I would say, 12 or 13 at bat. CJ Crone is back in the fold. You've got Jonathan Scope pounding out some home runs. He's hitting right around at 250. The list goes on and on for the team. They've been doing an absolutely magnificent job of being able to supply the offense. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Cleveland Indians. The offense has not really been there in the last couple games, but they certainly do have some mashers, and they brought in two very good ones in Yasiel Puig and Femi Reyes. These two are hitting in between a 243 and a 253 in the case of Reyes. He has one team 27 times between the two teams that he's been with, Yasiel Puig, 22 home runs. Jose Ramirez has upped his average to right around a 245. You got Francisco Lindor hitting a 300. Carlos Santana, a 280 batting average. He has been the natural leader in home runs with regards to home runs that he's hit for the Cleveland Indians themselves, 24 on the year. Taylor Naquin and Oscar Mercado both doing a great job with their batting average at 285. Whenever you need someone like Jason Kipnis as well, he's been there. 255 batting average for him. Jordan Luplo has been doing a good job of getting on base, and I do think that they're going to be able to provide enough offense to be able to get the job done in this one. I think that Mike Clevenger delivers another gem, and I'm actually going to be looking at the Indians on the run line because I do think that Clevenger is going to be able to hold down the Minnesota Twins in this spot, and I do think that the Cleveland Indians I do think that the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to go yard on Kyle Gibson and they're going to get into that bad bullpen. So for that reason, going to be looking at the Indians on the run line. That is currently off the board because to lay a run and a half, the team needs to be a favorite. This opened up as essentially a pick which means that the home team is going to be the team laying a run and a half. So I'm going to have to look for an alternate run line or look to see if the run line flips in the morning. So in wait and see mode there. Meanwhile, with the under, I actually saw this listed at nine and a half earlier in the day. So I locked this in. I think that Mike Clevenger is going to be absolutely terrific in this spot, so I am all aboard the under. And that will do it for the Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man, a key prophet of Wager Talk, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GUDNRSQUARD1. Please tweet it into the timeline and not DMs, as per usual. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.